Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week one of a brand new series, A Book of the Bible, and it is the book of... Ruth. Oh, man, I am so excited. It's a two-week study. You guys love the book of Ruth. We know that. It's a one-two done, but oh my goodness, this book, this podcast episode, all of these things, y'all, if you want just an hour of delighting in God's Word and being surprised by it and being thankful for it and learning from it, stick around. This episode is for you. Our guest today is Kristen McClellan. She is a teacher at Church of the City here in Franklin, Tennessee. She is also a best-selling author of Jesus and Women, as well as the Gospel on the Ground Bible Studies. Christy is a biblical culturalist, which is a cool thing to be, and you are going to benefit from that as you listen to this episode. She leads Bible study trips to Israel. She does it all and does it well, and she just celebrates the living God in this beautiful way. Let's get right to this episode. Rachel, Christy McClellan is here. Oh my goodness, Christy. (laughs) Welcome to the Series Truth Podcast. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Been looking oh, forward to this. I hope it's the first of many times. Oh. We're so we're so happy to have you here. And this is the first time that we've all met in person. Absolutely. True. Even though we're it's been in a the big same day already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. I feel like Christy has been on our like dream list for a long time now. And so yes. like, this is happening. And for the book of Ruth, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm excited. I'm an Old Testament lover. So yes. I'm really happy to I be in the book of Ruth it. with y'all. Noted. And we will and we reference that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are reading a book of the Bible, and it is a two-week study. It is a, it's a shorter one. for mm-hmm. I mean, it's the shortest that we do here at She Reads Truth. And it is—I didn't realize this until I, like—I knew this, but I didn't. It's the eighth book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It is just, just three oh, yeah. after the Torah, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. Yep. We get that Pentateuch, and then we get Joshua Judges Ruth. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. here we are. Mm-hmm. And it is a book named after a young lady, mm-hmm. Ruth. We'll get into the context and why the, the significance of this story, because there's a lot of significance here in the history of the people of Israel. But Often when we do an episode one of a book of the Bible, we just like to lay some groundwork and kind of get some context. And Christy, as a biblical culturalist— That's kind of hard to say. (laughs) Did I say that right? No, you did great. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, Amanda and I are just so excited, like selfishly so excited to just hear (laughs) from you. Talk to us about the context of this. So being a biblical culturalist, the story goes like this. In 2007, the Lord opened up the door for me to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel. Mm. And I tell people all the time, I went to Israel and learned that the living God is better than I ever knew. <sighs> and Amen. I thought He was awesome when I went. Yeah. And I you tell people— You were a big fan when you left. Yeah. I was a big fan. A big <laughs> fan when I went and a big oh fan when I came home. But I tell people all the time, you can never unsee what you're mm-hmm. going to see. Yeah. And entering into incarnational space— Yes. The Bible truly becomes an embodied experience rather than just something that we read. And so she reads truth. Mm -hmm. You're taking readers into the Bible. You want them to experience the living God in the story that he's given us. You know, I'll tell you just a quick story. I remember driving down the road on the bus one day, and it was April. 
So it was harvest season, Mm -hmm. which will factor into our story Mm -hmm. of the Book of Ruth and looking out in a field in the West Bank and seeing a man and two women hand harvesting wheat. (laughs) And I told the people on the bus, there's Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi right there. (laughs) Like you're looking at that story lived out. And I tell my students and people all the time, the Bible is the truest and the best story that's ever been told. Amen. It's why we touch it. It's why we touch it often. It's why Mm -hmm. we want to be people that touch it every day. Mm -hmm. And so being a biblical culturalist, ever since 2007, I've just been trying to teach the Bible in its original historical, cultural, linguistic, and geographic context. I function like a bridge. I want to take you over to the worlds and lands of the Bible and into the worlds and lands of the Bible to get a little bit of a better understanding of what's going on in these amazing stories. Let's go. I'm in. Let's go. (laughs) We're on the bridge. We're ready. But where can we get on an airplane? (laughs) (laughs) After this. We'll look up some flights after this, after we finish recording. So... Historically, it's when we use the word bridge in our if you have your study books, you all you have the introduction to the book of Ruth, which in our study books it's called She Reads Ruth. Which sounds a lot like She Reads Truth. <laughs> Just it drop is that not a tea. typo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the historically, this time that we're going to read about the book of Ruth, and I'm just going to read straight from it, is set during the time of the judges, which Mm -hmm. we get that from verse 1 of the book. The introduction says, a period of social and religious disorder, Mm -hmm. which if you have read the book of Judges with us, which we did how long ago? A couple years ago. It's memorable in that 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 is putting it lightly, (laughs) social and religious disorder. Mm -hmm. That era bridged the time between the conquest of the land under Joshua's leadership and the rise of of King David. Mm -hmm. And so this story is kind of in the thick of it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Judges, the way I describe the book of Judges is it's a really bad roller coaster. Yeah. It's a really bad roller coaster. With a lot of just the same loop The cyclical, that's right, the sin, going into bondage and slavery, crying out for a judge, a judge is provided, one of which is Devorah. We often call her Deborah. And so it's beautiful that in Judges, there's a heroine. And in Mm -hmm. Ruth, there's a heroine. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful that the book of Ruth finds itself in our Christian canon. Mm -hmm. It follows the book of Judges because it takes place during the Judges. That's right. Right. But in the Hebrew Bible, in the Tanakh, it comes right after Proverbs 31. No kidding. (gasps) So for the Jews, who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Oh, my. It's Ruth. Oh, my goodness. Of course it is. Yeah. She okay. rises yeah. in the morning. That's right. So if you want to know yeah. a woman of valor, mm. she's Ruth. I mean, I prayed before we hit record that I would learn. Well, here we here go. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. It's light mm-hmm. in the darkness, right? I yeah. mean, the judges are in the thick of it. It's it's a time period known when everybody did what was right in their own eyes, mm-hmm. which I don't know about either of you, but I've done what was right in my own eyes, Absolutely. and it led me away from shalom, not toward it. Yeah, yeah. It broke my shalom. It didn't give it to me. That's and right. so it's just a dark time, and it's leaderless in a way. Moses yes. has gone the way of the earth. Joshua's gone the way of the earth. We're before Samuel anointing King David. Right. And so it's very much an individualistic mm-hmm. kind of a time period for a very communal culture yes. in antiquity. Yeah. And when everybody's just sort of losing their minds a little bit, I mean, think of Samson 
You know, Nazarite yeah. breaks every Nazarite vow, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. He's sort of a prototypical Israelite in that yeah. time period. And in and, and that darkness, we have this beautiful story of Ruth. And I love it because it's so local. Yes. It's mm-hmm. so on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's in the village of Bethlehem. And we do need to think village, like historically yeah. and culturally speaking. We're probably talking about 300 people total. Okay. Everybody okay. knows everybody. Yeah. So all these interactions throughout. And I just love that because sometimes in our very world, public. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Just of planes, trains, and automobiles. And, you know, they just very much lived in a world where you grow up in your village, you marry the guy or the girl three tents down and yeah. Yeah. have as many children as you can. And yeah. So even the migration to Moab and right. the story with the famine, you know, there's just a, a lot deal. going on. In it for sure, and it's that that context of judges and everyone did what was right in his own eyes, and that's what Elimelech and Naomi did. That's right, they left the promised land yes. because they were afraid that they wouldn't be provided for because of the famine, mm-hmm. and they left and they thought it was sorrowful where they were in the promised land, and Naomi met only more sorrow. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, and the story begins so sad. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, if you just read the first few verses, you're like, can I fast forward? To yeah. first Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of Job-like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like she mm-hmm. loses oh, her yeah. husband, and then she loses mm-hmm. her sons, mm-hmm. and then she anticipates losing both of her daughters, mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, letting them go. Yeah. So that they don't have well, to go. Well, there's no staying in touch. So, right. Yeah, for all yeah. intents and purposes. Yeah. yeah. Truly yep. losing them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, just the opening line, and, you know, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, during the time of the judges— and there was a famine in the land. Yeah. It's like a double whammy. Yes. yes. We're on a really bad roller coaster, and there's no food. <laughs> yes. So, Everything. and just even mm-hmm. like the names of the two, you know, the right. sons, I mean, to know their names, I saw that in the book. Yes. You guys provided it. Yeah. I mean, their names pretty much mean half dead and all the way dead. Yep. Wasting wow. away. I mean, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the story is getting off to a rough start. Yes, it is. I've always wondered about biblical names, if mm-hmm. the meanings came after the stories of the people, or if these are just like the Hebrew meanings of those words. Do you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great question. That's an insightful question. And I think— <laughs> Thank you. Well, it is, because for the Hebrews, your name is your verb. Okay. It's your destiny. Yeah. It's what you will be in the world. We shall call his name Jesus. Right. Why? Because he'll save his people from their sins. So your name in that world, I tell my students all the time, if you know the meaning of the name, you already know the story. Right. You know what's going to happen. And so the question becomes, are some of the names historical and original, or are they written in as the scribes or like— Writing it, I think the answer to some of it is both, Okay, which raises a fascinating thought. Can I chase this rabbit like a rabbit trail? There's meat on this rabbit. I'm excited. (laughs) But when we think about when was Ruth written, right? right? So scholars will debate that, but I'm a fan of the idea that it's written after the Babylonian exile. So in the days of Ezra— yeah. Um, the scribe, the beginning of rabbinic Judaism, yeah. that time period. And the reason is, you know, Ezra is telling the Israelite men to divorce the foreign women mm-hmm. the, among them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of scholars that believe Ruth was penned during that time to say, no, God's not only come for the Jew, he's come That's for right. the nations. Mm-hmm. And remember Ruth? She's in the lineage of Jesus. Right. And she's a Moabite. Right. And so— 
were these names added at that time to help tell the story? Right. Like, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. That so, is an interesting rabbit to right? chase. You know, because yeah. it's like, you think about in your own lives, like however old you are now and whatever your lives are, I'm sitting here with you for the first time today. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting to know you right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to yeah. know you, you've got to like take me back and right. like walk me mm-hmm. up and I'll get to know your name as I get to know your story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I think that's part of how we're being encouraged to read the Bible. And then you think of all the like side note fascinating things that the two Hebrew midwives are named uh-huh. Shifra and oh, Pua right. and the yes. Pharaoh is not. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. like the Bible is letting you know who to focus on in the story. The name is important. But here. it's fascinating. Yeah. Like, I think often I love reading about when the books of the Bible were written mm-hmm. because all word is Absolutely. meant to influence a people, a yeah. culture, the world, like the words that we're giving in our mm-hmm. own day, in our own generation. Yeah. You know, we mean it for now. Right. Right. You know, so yes. I love that thought. Oh, I and love I love this. that question. I mean, even like Ruth's name means like companion. Yes. That feels like not a mistake. So either this was like, uh-huh. upon naming her, it was like a nearly prophetic. Yes. Or it is now yes. reflective of what is now true. Oh, yeah. I had so the chance one time in Israel to attend a naming ceremony. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the Jewish people. And they don't name the babies right when they're born. That's right. On the eighth day. Okay. The eighth day, they plan a naming ceremony. And both of the families come, Mm -hmm. and if you're a religious Jewish family, the rabbi comes. Mm -hmm. And if it's a boy, the rabbi is going to circumcise the baby. On the eighth day. And we were in Hebron at a place called Machpelah. where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all buried with all their wives except for Rachel. Everybody's in there, and it's like all this energy. And then all of a sudden, the father comes to the front and holds the baby boy up. Kind of like Simba. Like Simba. Uh Exactly like Simba. And the room just got quiet. And they are waiting to hear for the first time the baby's name. And I remember, I forget the first name, but the second name was Benjamin. Benjamin. Mm -hmm. And when the father announced his name, everybody went nuts. I'm talking dancing around because he had received his name. They had put the community, the family had put his name upon him. And it'll be his verb. It'll be his destiny. And then the father handed the baby to the rabbi who circumcised him. And then you know it because he starts screaming. Right. Mm -hmm. That's painful. And then you hand the baby to the mother who comforts him. Comforts him. Hmm. And it's like, and then there's all this food and all this celebration because your name, so back to like Devorah or Deborah and Judges, because we're in the time period of the Judges. Absolutely. You know, and the root of her name is the Hebrew word devar, which is word. She's carrying the word of the Lord. Hmm. She's a prophetess. Yeah. You hmm. know, so for Ruth being that comfort, you know, like hmm. I think often, like, are we living up to our names? Yeah. Are we living up to the things mm-hmm. that the living God is inviting us to, like, step into and to embody yeah. hmm. in this world? Oof. Keep and that going. concludes Keep our episode. <laughs> Oh man, I so love thinking think about of. this. I that was going is fascinating, guys. For if for y'all listening, if you have your study books with you, the whole list of all the names of the people in the story are on are page. there. Yes. Uh, what page is it, guys? Page twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. So you can look at those and geek out as much as we. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to read just the first five verses. But I am not going to pronounce the names correctly, so let's just give it a go anyway. 
But this is what we've just been talking Mm -hmm. about, these events and the sadness of these first few verses. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. So the names of his two sons were... Machlon and Kilion. They were... Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah, they entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah, Mm -hmm. and the other was named Ruth, and they lived in Moab about 10 years. Both Machlon and Chilion maybe, also died, (laughs) and the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. And so here's my question to you, Mm -hmm. Christy. Help us understand the magnitude of what has just happened to Naomi in her time and in her culture. Yeah. The bottom has utterly fallen out. Yeah. So in antiquity— And not just emotionally. No. Right. No, and in every way. You know, in antiquity for a female— in the Near Eastern world, your covering, your protection, your provision, mm-hmm. your tribal affiliation is dependent on the male. Mm-hmm. So in that world, it's a world very different from our own. And so what is so powerfully sad about the beginning of this story, which we're so glad the story ends in a buoyant, hopeful way, Ruth and Orpah are in Moab. Naomi's going to come, and it begins this series of perpetual loss, because first she loses her husband, Mm -hmm. but she still has two sons. So she would have experienced the obvious emotional pain of losing her husband. Of death. but with That's right. But within the cultural, historical setting, she's still fine. Like having two sons in the world to provide, to protect, it's when they die. And I do think it's why their names are so strong in Hebrew, because it's perpetual generational loss of the masculine presence in her family in a foreign land Mm -hmm. left with two Mm daughter-in-laws, right? And so for her, I mean, she really only has a few options destitution mm-hmm. or remarriage mm-hmm. but she's older mm-hmm. so now there's that problem yeah. so she's quickly going to have to figure out what household can i come up under mm-hmm. for protection that's sort of language that she would have known it's not so much who can i fall in love with again right. and like mary that's not the issue on the table survival mm-hmm. is right. the issue on the table. And sometimes I get teary when I start reading the beginning of Ruth because, like, have you ever been in a season of perpetual loss mm-hmm. when something goes wrong and then something else goes wrong? Yeah. And then yeah. something else goes down. And you're like, Lord, I can't take anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so we begin to understand her when she's like, hey, you Moabite girls, yeah. y'all stay here with your people. The most natural remedy for the girls is to stay. Let's cut our losses. That's exactly yes. right. Maybe go back and marry Moabite men because mm-hmm. they're young, right? Yes. They're of childbearing mm-hmm. age and all of that. Naomi is a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about Naomi here, and I don't think we talk about it enough, is I'm Captain Safety. 
when I get in a bind, I reach for my community. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel like secure or confident to often like solve things just on my own. Mm-hmm. I want other people in it with me. But she's actually so self-sacrificial because the bottom has fallen out for her. Mm-hmm. And rather than her trying to cling to her daughters-in-law, she's like, no, the best thing for you mm-hmm. is to go back into your world, back with your people, remarry a Moabite man, which is what Orpah probably does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Orpah yeah. stays. and, and Just forget about me. That's right. That's right. Just I'm forget about problem. me. Yes. That's right. And so just the the self-sacrifice in that, just Naomi taking it on. And then it's, I mean, what Ruth actually does historically and culturally and coming back with her is, it is stunning. Yeah. It is, we're not expecting to read the story yes, this yeah. way because she too is now widowed, mm-hmm. young, still of childbearing age, as we well know, and you're going to move to yeah. a foreign country. With a destitute with woman. With your mother-in-law. Right, right, I mean, there's somebody out there that's got a difficult relationship with your mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> and we, like, see you today. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? That's yeah, right. that's And right. so, you know, it's not her family. Mm-hmm. Like, she's going right. back with her dead husband's mother mm-hmm. yeah. to her land. Like, if you were Ruth's friend, you would probably be questioning her judgment. Mm-hmm. Completely. Like, this is, yes, this is, like, we read it, and it's, inspiring and beautiful and her and it is all of those things Mm -hmm. but for her like you said like this is stunning like Mm -hmm. this is she's not naive that's right and so she is also sacrificing it's dirty it's gritty i love this story this is not a princess in a castle no kind of a story this is another kind of story and the significance of of this story happening when it's happening like in the backdrop of like Joshua judges and yes. Ruth like Joshua was like like there was one Yahweh and yeah. like as for me and my household we will serve the Lord and mm-hmm. we will reflect God to the outside world right yes. and then in judges we kind of just really reflect the outside world to itself mm-hmm. and we start going like your gods will be my gods mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this Moabitess right this Moabite woman mm-hmm. says your god will be my god that's right and she reflects God back to God's people. Like it's just this it's upside down beauty of the kingdom of God mm-hmm. that we sometimes think only happens in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yes. But like seeing this happening here is yeah. it's epic. Oh yeah. And she's she's choosing a context where she could very well be rejected. Because, you know, antiquity is tribalism. You take care of your own, right? Might makes right. You protect your own. You stay with your own. Total separate laws about how to deal with foreigners. That's right. Right? That's right. And so she's going back with Naomi to a world where Naomi will be accepted as an Israelite. She has no idea what kind of treatment or reception she's going to get. How will the people of Israel treat me? No doubt. And I'm sure Ruth's friends were like, you might want to pray about that. Right. (laughs) A little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, as your friend, I can't let you do this. That's right. Because this is not wise. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Still in chapter one, if we fast forward to that moment where Ruth um, responds. So both women, both daughters-in-law say, no, we're going to stay with you. And then Naomi insists, and and Orpah does Mm -hmm. leave. It says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Naomi clung to her. And Naomi says one more time, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, lowercase g gods, follow your sister-in-law. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, 
Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, Mm -hmm. she stopped talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She'd made her mind. What caused Ruth to be that determined? Oh, man. We're going to have to ask her that. I know. Mm -hmm. One day in heaven. Because it's really a determination against what is culturally expected of her and what's safest for her. Like, again, I'm Captain Safety. I'm always looking for the safe path. And if you had taken a poll among people that knew you, you or her, they would have been like, nope, nope, nope. And even Naomi is saying, don't don't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It shows feminine strength, too. It does. Carries like... Like a valor and commitment, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, the commitment that she's showing here. And I mean, that language is so fierce. Where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She's saying all of this by faith. Right. Yeah. I even want to know, like, how does she know Yahweh? Like, how, what is her relationship with Yahweh at this point? Because she didn't come to Israel, she didn't yep. come to the promised land to learn about him. Yep. The promised land came to her. I mean, or the people of promise came to her. That's right. And whether she learned this from her husband, from Naomi, from Elimelech, like everything she knows about Yahweh, it it came, I I suppose, from Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Well, you think about like the gods of antiquity, because one of the things when I was going through the book, I underlined verse 15, and Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. That's right. And when we think about the gods of antiquity, like what are they and why? Uh And in essence, the worship of the gods in antiquity was all about who's providing the sun and the rain. Yeah. I'm going to put my seed in the ground. Mm-hmm. I, as a human being, have figured out I cannot control nature. Mm-hmm. I don't control the sun and the rain. Oh, here come the gods. So the gods, who do I need to sacrifice to mm-hmm. so that that god will provide the sun and the rain? And we're in a famine right, mm-hmm. in the days of the judges. So there's a lot of people worshiping their gods. Kind of going, the god of Israel is not bringing what we need him to bring. That's right. Yep, yeah, there's a famine there, yeah. so we're coming over here. We're gonna try your and so out. you think about like the Moabite gods of antiquity, and and so Orpah goes back not only to her people, but what's interesting, and this is gospel gorgeous to me. This makes me just like love the living God, but He's the one in antiquity mm-hmm. that provides the sun and the rain, mm-hmm. and He doesn't expect you to just keep offering accelerating sacrifices all the way up to your children. That's right. Mm. Like you have child sacrifice happening in antiquity. It's not common, Mm -hmm. but the gods, you have this escalating um, sacrifice until you get the sun and the rain because otherwise you're going to die. Yeah. Like if your seed doesn't grow, you're going to die. And so now Hmm. we understand the whole story of Abraham and Isaac, and people are always like, well, I don't like the Bible. Your God's like... Asking Abraham to sacrifice right. his son, the whole point of that story is no, he didn't. Is that he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm the but one that's going to walk in covenant faithfulness with you. I'm going to provide the sun and the rain, and you don't have to sacrifice your children. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so Ruth is saying no to the gods of scarcity. 
like the Moabite gods and is choosing like this God who provides even before she sees it, right? right? Because Mm -hmm. the Bible tells us they had sort of heard that the Lord had heard the cry of His people and had provided. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting. Often in the Hebrew Bible, where we get the English word provide, it's really that the Lord will see to it. Yeah. Like what He sees when God sees something, He acts. So like in my own prayer life, I'm constantly like, Lord, see this. Yeah. Yeah. See this thing in my life. Hmm. See it and do something. Yeah. Like do whatever it is that you're going to do. So she hears that the famine in Bethlehem or in the land of the Israelites is being relieved, and she's like, let's go. Yeah. Let's you know, go. It's a not safe path. It's occurring to me in this moment as we're talking about this. Because it makes me think of Rahab. It yep, makes me absolutely. think of this other foreigner who has heard of Yahweh and believes in him and can't wait for him to come, right? But I, it was occurring to me in this moment that Rahab is Boaz's mother. And mm-hmm. so these are all contemporaries. Oh, yes. Right? Like, is, is Rahab alive in Israel right now? Come on. Let's go. I hope so. Let's I, go. <laughs> I love thinking about that, like, that Ruth met met Rahab, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these these foreign women That's who, right. like, love the God of Israel. That's right. And, like, these are the mm-hmm. ones woven into mm-hmm. the line of Jesus. And, and what if she helped her with, re- like, entry? Right. Like, this uh, is what, like, Rahab's like, I'm a Canaanite, you're a Moabite, yeah. like, let's go, like, this oh, is how you do this thing. Because we think about, like, Rahab, like, rocking grandson Obed. Yes. But, like, Ruth is right there. Totally. Holy mm-hmm. moly. <laughs> and is that even... Part of what is ingrained in in Boaz and his mm-hmm. tenderness toward mm-hmm. yeah. toward Ruth, who is a foreigner and a widow, because his mom that makes, was oh a foreigner and an outcast mm-hmm. and marginalized, and so is Ruth. But oh, he yeah. sees her mm-hmm. and he sees to it. That's right. That she is provided for. And this wow. is the God that we serve, like the God Absolutely. that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And yep. like, that's what Boaz does. Yep. It, yeah. Okay. Yep. You all are a good time. <laughs> you all are going to enjoy the supplementals for, I know we won't really be able to read any or, or many of them in this conversation, but as you read through these first two chapters of Ruth this week, you're going to get to read other passages of Scripture from the Old and the New Testament, and there are some really mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, all of Scripture is true and good and beautiful, but mm-hmm. you get to read some of those moments like, this is our God. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, where to, Yeah. <laughs> so, when you said earlier, Christy, that, you know, thinking about the village of Bethlehem, yeah. right? So, the land of Moab— mm-hmm. Would we be talking similarly? Like they they lived in villages, so yes. you would have a small kind of mm-hmm. commune of people, mm-hmm. you know, people that know you. So they do; they recognize her when she comes back, oh, when yes. Naomi comes back, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Is this Naomi? Mm-hmm. She's been gone, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. And they maybe have heard, maybe not have heard. Would they have maybe heard what has happened? That her husband has died, that her sons have died, and so when they recognize her mm-hmm. and say, "Can this be Naomi?" She says. Don't call me that. Yeah. Call me Mara. Mm-hmm. She answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. Yeah. And this attribution of like the sorrow that has befallen her to the Lord is mm-hmm. really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Verse 21, we're still in chapter one. I went away full. 
but the Lord has brought me back empty. Mm. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has opposed me mm. and the Almighty has afflicted me? Mm-hmm. What an interesting line. I went away full, mm-hmm. but she left because there was famine. In a famine. Yeah. I know. Huh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What does she mean by going away full, yeah. and what does she mean by coming back empty? That's interesting. Yeah, because she's not really empty. Right. She's got Ruth with her. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I think she's just being human right here. Yeah, no you know? doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pain will make you see things sideways. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it says that they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the oh, barley harvest. I underlined that. How about it? This is the first time that I've... Yes. I think that that specific phrase has hit me that way. It's uh-huh. interesting that it hit all three of us uh-huh. this yes. time as we were reading. Oh, yeah. Because it's coming. Mm-hmm. You and know, and will, it, will it hit this time? That's right. And if it doesn't, what happens? That's right. Right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I the love that line. Is everything. Yeah. Because the story's been so sad. I, I wrote, I underlined it, and I'm a big Chronicles of Narnia. Person. Okay, yeah. I don't know yeah. If y'all, where y'all are on that. Absolutely. But um, I just wrote this line as the signs of spring. Yes. It's the way in the Chronicles yeah. of Narnia. Yeah. Like when Aslan's on the move, it's uh-huh. the signs of spring. Yep. Because barley harvest, I mean, that's April, May mm-hmm. in Israel to this day. And it's interesting that the festival or the Feast of Shavuot happens in the springtime okay. during the harvest. And Ruth is one of their readings. Yes. Oh, so yeah. they're like remembering that story. Because it's this, you know, in antiquity, I mean, you're connected to the ground because your provision comes from the ground. Mm-hmm. So your family, you know, our family schedules are around school and soccer right. mm-hmm. and ministry and work and vacation, but their world revolves around the ground. The ground. Like, mm-hmm. are we seeding? Are we harvesting? Right. Are we laying fallow? Are we, what are we doing? Right. There's a kinship. With the soil and the earth that we just are so mm-hmm. removed from. Yes. Because our sustenance comes from that's the right. grocery I mean, store. Even like, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's even right. Like the fact that, like, the word famine doesn't hit us. Mm-hmm. I mean, even right. like that very first I mean, couple right. verses. I don't really understand that. It, we, we read there's a famine in the land, and so they had to leave, but like, we might not even like register that mm-hmm. the first several times we read it. Oh, yeah. Famine, like, it makes me think back to Joseph, you know, like, yeah. they're in this time where there's no king in the land and that kind of a thing. But like Joseph wisely negotiated their way through a famine Mm -hmm. as he walked with the Lord and did what the Lord told him to do. But they don't have a Joseph. That's right. But famine didn't hit us. No. Because we don't we don't get it. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't. (laughs) Exhibit A, I went to the grocery (laughs) store and came back the other day and I was like, y'all, there were no potatoes. At the grocery store. And it was so bizarre. And you know how that kind of thing is happening now with different mm-hmm. things. Little supply stores. chain things. Right. But I just thought, like, what, how do, what do I do? How do I get a potato? And, like, but that was one thing right, on my right, list, right. right? And so, like, that just, I have no clue what it right. would be if mm-hmm. all source of sustenance. Because instead, were gone. I would, in that case, have to pull up Pinterest and pick a different recipe that didn't <laughs> include potatoes. Yeah. Like, it mm-hmm. would be that simple. Right. We'll just have oh, something gosh. else. Yes. The immediacy of it sometimes, like, as I'm traveling around, pastors will be like, Christy, what are you reading? Or, like, mm-hmm. what do you think I could be reading? Yeah. Like, to, you know, help us with the church. And I'm like, don't read books about how to be a CEO. Yeah. Read books about how to be a farmer mm. or a mm. shepherd. Mm. I love that. You know, like, yeah. like theology, good theology lives on the ground. That's right. All the time. That's right. Like, bottom shelf. Right here yeah. for everybody. In the low places. Everybody, everywhere, mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the Bible is on the bottom shelf 
for us. I like that. The bottoms, yeah. the Bible's on the bottom shelf. I feel like that's what we're here to to, to tell people. Yes, prove and remind. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. that's true. If I can, I even love. So we, we all underlined that verse mm-hmm. twenty two. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And then it's like, why? Like the signs of spring, you see it in the very next line. Like this is excellent Hebraic storytelling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Because remember her plot. Like she's got to come Mm -hmm. under male covering and protection. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. Ding, 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 ding. We're getting like closer and better. And his name was Boaz. Like you literally just read that and you breathe. Because mm-hmm. that's like, those are the two first verses in the story that are hopeful. Yeah. It's like all bad news mm-hmm. up until that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's harvest Something's time shifting. and there's a dude named Boaz. Yeah. Who's like in the family. And what's going to happen. What's going to happen. Yep. It makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then this like this sweet back and forth. Here's what I'll say. The book of Ruth is is brief. There's yeah. four chapters, average reader, about 14 minutes to read the book. Last night, in fact, we live about 12 minutes from the kids' school. Mm-hmm. And we were headed that way because we had like a, a scrimmage to go to, a, mm-hmm. f- a football game. And so it was my husband and me and my daughter in the backseat doing her math. And I was like, you know, I was trying to use my time well. I wanted to prepare for this. And I was like, rather than read this to myself, I learn better if I read it out loud. So I read the book of Ruth out loud to my family in our commute to the school. And it was, first of all, really wonderful <laughs> to just like read read scripture at all, just out loud to my family. I love doing that. But to read this story, it is not a hard read. No. And it, like, I say all of that to say to y'all listening, I'm very excited about this week yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, for you to, and you'll see at the beginning of the study book, we encourage you to read the entire book yep. in one sitting before you begin your daily reading for this week. Mm-hmm. But as you read it every single time, and you've heard the three of us talking about this, we keep seeing new things. Like <laughs> it won't be like oh, sitting here right now again. Yeah. No, we've I've read the Book of Ruth. Yeah, lots, lots, yeah. and I'm excited for y'all to yeah, read this. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because Amanda and I actually debated about three hours ago, should we read all of the Ruth readings in one setting in this podcast, uh, like as a as a part of the yes. episode? And we were like, I really want them to get to do the full sitting once through mm. on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you get to use if you got a study book, you can get to use that cute little reader edition yes. that we provided. It's yes. so cute. I love it when we do that. Okay, so where are we in the story? So there they go. They, <laughs> there they, they recognize. There they, there they go. It's the beginning of the barley harvest, mm-hmm. and Boaz has been introduced. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert: it is correct that he will be part of the story yes. <laughs> because verse two of chapter two, Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, "Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor?" Mm-hmm. There's the first time mm-hmm. that word "favor" mm-hmm. is used in this book, but it'll come back. Mm-hmm. Naomi answered her, "Go ahead, my daughter." So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to Mm. be—love that in Scripture. Mm -hmm. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. Mm -hmm. And thus the stage has been set. Yep. So what is, Christy— Regarding the harvest and the mm-hmm. grain and how they would in the you know the individuals that you drove past when yeah. you were on the bus and tell us a little bit about how that works like what would it have meant when Ruth said 
can I go and gather fallen grain behind? Mm -hmm. So the person who owned the field Mm -hmm. owns the field Mm -hmm. and would have harvesters. Mm -hmm. What does it take? Can anyone just wander onto a field and gather the fallen grain? And specifically, can a foreign Mm -hmm. woman come behind on the field? Great questions. (laughs) Yes. So. When we think about harvesting in antiquity, it's just like what I saw that day in the West Bank. Uh-huh. We don't have combines. There's no John Deere. What? These are— What? <laughs> right. <laughs> These are people and primarily hired like day workers. Okay. Oftentimes, families would live in temporary shelters in or around their fields at harvest time. It's not like us, like we come to work, go home, right. come back right. to work, go home. They would stay there. Mm-hmm. And so you've got obviously a couple of problems. Women alone in antiquity is yes. just never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not safe. And so it's the same in the fields. Mm-hmm. And we see that dynamic here. Mm-hmm. And Boaz is like, stay with the women, stay in my field. Even among God's people. That's exactly right. This was the time where... Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's right. Yeah. Yep. But to the point of her following behind, I love this. This is the kind of stuff in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. When people say the Old Testament's boring, I'm like, please read it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give yeah. it another go, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Because this is Torah law being enacted. Yeah. Yes. This is Leviticus being enacted by God's people in the time of the judges mm-hmm. when everybody did as he saw fit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're watching— this dynamic of often it's leaving the corners of your fields unharvested mm-hmm. for the widow, for the foreigner, mm-hmm. for children who are destitute, who've been left mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. without family. So it's a way of provision in antiquity. And so what I love about that is in this story, Boaz takes it one step further yeah. and is like, not just the corners, but actually leave some sheets. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't take it all. Leave some so mm-hmm. that she can harvest them behind you. And even within that dynamic, this is why, personally, I will just say, I think that when the Jews were forming their canon, what we call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, they put the book of Ruth after Proverbs 31. Because, you know, what we call the woman of virtue, it's Mm -hmm. woman of valor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a shekhail. And so, Mm -hmm. like, you read Proverbs 31, and she's working. She's very industrious. She's productive. She's efficient all of this kind of stuff. And we see this in Ruth. Like, yeah. she's going to Naomi. Let me go in the fields. Okay, go. She's in the fields. She's doing the thing. The There's report a about verse. her is like she sat down for just a minute. That, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Can I read that? Yes, really yes. Quick? Yeah. Because I think this is where she's being Proverbs 31. I agree. Yeah. Like, this is it. So in Ruth chapter 2, Verses 6 and 7, it says this, The servant answered, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, Will you let me gather fallen grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters? That's some Leviticus 19 stuff right Mm -hmm. there. She came and has been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that. Because we see her participating with this new Israelite culture. That's right. Like, back to that great point about Rahab. Mm -hmm. Was Rahab the one that explained to her, this is how the Israelites do harvesting? Yeah. Like, how does she know, you know, or is it common? Did the Moabites do the same thing? You know, it's just fascinating about their laws and structures of, like, societal village living. But then, just to go down a little bit more, am I doing okay? I I love it. I'm so happy. Sorry, I'm just, like, happy right now. Mm -hmm. We are, too. 
Likewise. <laughs> but some of my favorite parts of this is found in Ruth 2, verse 11. Yes. <laughs> Boaz answered her. It just almost makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. I love that like all of that goodness was not for naught. Mm-hmm. Like it got yeah. reported mm-hmm. to him. I'm just like, that's so beautiful. How you left your father and mother in your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. I mean, Boaz is a poet. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a poet theologian, yeah. you know, like in this moment. And even for him to go, not like, I'll be your provider. He doesn't know that he's going to be the one. That's well, right. I mean, no, even just the like, you can, it's fine. Here's my, lay, like, I'll provide for you in this way. He's going, you've come under the wings of yeah. Yahweh for refuge. Yeah. Not realizing that he's actually going to be a means of provision. Oh, yes. Yeah. For her, that they're both going to be in the story mm-hmm. of Israel for all time. Yeah. That we are sitting here some three thousand yeah. years later, yeah. like reading and talking about this story. Hmm. You know, we actually have in day four's reading the Leviticus nineteen nine and ten. I'm going to read it for yes. us because I feel like yes, it would be helpful. Please. Yes, um, and this so this is from the third book of the Bible, Leviticus, mm-hmm. where it says, "When you reap the harvest of your land." You are not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. Mm. I am the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. God that provides. That's right. Not just for his nation, but for all nations. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something in that. Like when I read Leviticus, people have different feelings about Leviticus. Mm. I love it. Are we reading Leviticus next? Oh. Right after Ruth? We are because I just checked. Yes. <laughs> and yes, we are. <laughs> I did um, not know, but now I know. I This makes me really excited for Leviticus. I know. We're doing it in three weeks, which is ambitious. Yeah. I want Christy to sit here and whisper I know, things right? to us. <laughs> but even that, like, even those two verses yes. and then, like, landing that with, I am the Lord your God, like, that's Leviticus. Yes. <laughs> it's so sweet. And then, y'all, mm-hmm. if you don't know, we are following those three weeks in Leviticus in the book of Hebrews. Mm. Which is a really cool way yeah. to yeah. come out, yes, of, it is. out of Leviticus. Yeah. This is going to be a beautiful fall. Yes. I'm, I'm just really excited oh, yeah. to be in the Word this fall. Okay, I know that we have so much Ruth to talk about, but there's another passage on day four from Psalm 36 that I want to read too, just because here we are and we can. It's the Shoot You May podcast. Yes, you may. And it says, How priceless your faithful love is, God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. Mm. You let them drink from your refreshing stream. It's so beautiful. That's Psalm 36, 7 and 8, I think. I just love the way that Scripture talks to Scripture and interprets Mm -hmm. itself. And it's just beautiful. It is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it's often if you have a question, keep reading. Keep reading. The Bible will often answer it Mm -hmm. earlier or later. I mean, that's why we love putting Bible reading plans together the way that we do. Yes. We could just read the book of Ruth in the next two weeks, but why wouldn't we bring in Scripture yeah. from all over yes. and, and let it talk to itself? It's just beautiful. Yeah. I'll just say as a side note, I love how you all are doing that in the booklets because when I was studying in Israel, you know, here in the West, we tend to analyze the Bible. We yes. want to pick it apart. Yeah, do. Yep. But the Jewish way is to synthesize it. It's how does it all come together? It's like how do all tributaries flow into the Nile? 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And when I first opened your book, I was like, they're synthesizing scripture. <laughs> it's like very Jewish, <laughs> you know? Because we're in Ruth, we're in Psalms, we're in Judges, we're That's in right. Matthew, we're in Leviticus. And it's back to, to really get to know you, I've got to get to know the years of your life. Yes. Where'd you grow up? Tell me about your parents. Like, who'd you marry? How many kids do you have? You know, when'd exactly. you start this? And yeah. all that. And the Bible is the same way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the more we get to know it in all of its different portions, a story emerges. And it is a delight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I love the synthesis here. Thank yeah. you for reading that Psalm 36. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful. And so Ruth goes back with her gleanings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, with mm-hmm. her harvest, takes it to Naomi, and Naomi says, where did you gather barley today? Mm-hmm. And where did you work? So she doesn't know at this mm-hmm. point. May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Mm. And Ruth told her mother-in-law whom she'd worked with and said, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Mm-hmm. And Ruth, I have to wonder if she gasped a little bit. Right. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this is Ruth 2, verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living mm. or the dead. Mm-hmm. And Naomi continued, the man is a close relative. Mm-hmm. He is one of our family redeemers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pause there mm. and let you tell us what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay. he's one of our redeemers. Yes. So redeemer is a word, obviously, that we use about Jesus, and mm-hmm. rightly so. Mm-hmm. But this is a lowercase r, mm-hmm. redeemer. <laughs> yep. And it has something to do with what we've already talked about, about the status of women and yep. and Ruth's current status, right? Yep. So in antiquity, think about the David Bathsheba narrative. The Bible says that in the springtime when all the kings go off to war. Okay. So in antiquity, it's might makes right. It's tribe against tribe for the land, for provision, for the crops. Because what happens when you go to war and win? You get their people and you get their stuff. Yeah. So we're living in a world where there's this cyclical, man, tribes just go have it out. I mean, you read all the way through the Bible, tribes are just sort of having it out. Yes. Well, a byproduct of that, plus disease, plus infant mortality, there's just a lot of death in antiquity. Mm -hmm. And so when you have cultures and civilizations where every spring you're going off to battle the tribe down the road for the field, a byproduct of that is men die. Yeah. And so you've got men coming home, and it's almost a literal reconciling the family community. Oh, wow, yeah. Who has been let—what women are now widowed, what children Mm -hmm. are left without a father. It's like spring is the widow-making season. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And so back to Torah. Like yeah. back to, so, and you guys have it in your reading plan. It's Deuteronomy 25, mm-hmm. verses 5 through 10. And so in essence, what would happen, and the Israelites were not the only ones to practice this. Different cultures had various versions of it. But what would happen is when you would come home, and there's this reconciliation of like the family who's mm-hmm. without, is the way that Torah law set it up is you start from the direct descendants of the man who lost his life and you move your way out. Okay. So you think, who are his brothers? Mm-hmm. Who's his uncle? Who's his on and on out? And the reason is we have to bring our women under male covering. So the question becomes, what male is going to redeem the falling male's family? Okay. Okay. So a man dies, 
And so then there's this whole, and man, it's fascinating to sort of like think about this, it right? Really is. Because you are you both married? Yes. So, and you're probably planning on just being married to the same guy. So it's one guy. You're right. Uh-huh. So, and then die on the same day. Uh, well, there you go. Like, yeah, we already worked that out. Years old. Like, yeah. Yeah. The Titanic sinks. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. And in antiquity, certainly there's fidelity in marriage, mm-hmm. but most of them kind of understood we may not live to be 100 right. and die together. That's right. not the world that they mm-hmm. live in. Mm-hmm. So they have all of these plans in place. And so when she mentions that it's Boaz, and we're getting ready to read it later in the story, mm-hmm. but it becomes who was the closest living male relative to the deceased male. Okay. And it is his Torah, Deuteronomy 25, responsibility to take the dead husband's wife and children under his household. And land and whatever else. And to provide land and everything else. And oftentimes, like sometimes when we think of polygamy, Mm -hmm. which is not God's ideal, it's never the way he set it up, Mm -hmm. but every culture has lived life outside of Eden since Genesis 1 and 2. Right? So everybody's doing what they've got to do. And so often these would not even be sexual relationships. You Mm -hmm. don't have a married man bringing in his dead brother's wife and sleeping with her. Right. It's really a matter of protection. Okay. And and preserving his name, his lineage, his sons will grow up and take his name. It's all about the security of the family line, Mm -hmm. the clan, and the tribe. Am I explaining that? Yes, very well. well. And so you move from the inside out, Mm -hmm. almost like concentric circles. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. Because we know in this story, because Boaz, again, in the time of the judges, Mm -hmm. when everybody did what was right in his own eyes, there is a closer family member. We're going to read about it Mm -hmm. like a little bit later in the the story of Ruth. And he's like, wait, there's a closer relative than me. So he's referencing Deuteronomy 25. Mm -hmm. There's a closer relative to Elimelech, Mm -hmm. Naomi's dead husband, who is supposed to redeem. Gets first dibs. Exactly. Yes. First dibs. And so what's fascinating, I'm kind of fast-forwarding into the story. Is that okay? No, I'm please. I'm fast-forwarding into the it. story. Is I love this because this dude, and again, we don't know his name because yeah, the Bible doesn't no, give it. We didn't, we didn't but he's name. like, mm, I don't really think I can afford to take you know, he was Naomi like kind of Ruth. on board for the land, but not so much for the dependents. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't want to do it, which is shameful okay. in that culture. Shameful. And Boaz I mean, asks him in the presence of a that's lot of right. people. That's right. Yeah. He, yeah. Boaz, Boaz in the time of the judges, when everybody did what they saw fit, he is abiding by Torah law. That's right. He is like light in the darkness. Yeah. He is a remnant in a world of Samson's. Amen. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. It's really beautiful. The, the it, sun of Rahab. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Maybe she's around like, I mean, for all of this. I like, like that. Let's, let's just put her in there. Like, let's totally. learn some Torah like, law. This, and let's this do is how this we right. do Let this. raise this boy. And yeah. so the guy says no, and Boaz is like, I'll do it. And then I always talk about, when I think about that narrative, we often talk about what it's going to cost us to say yes to God. Yeah. We don't think about what it's going to cost us to say no to Him. Hmm. Like that guy missed being in the lineage of Jesus yeah, by turning that down. And we don't even know his name. Yeah, hmm. Like his name is not even given in the Bible. Mm-mm. And I'm often like, if he could have like lived forward and looked back, he would have been like, dang, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should have said yes. Yeah. You know, we don't think about the cost in our nose. Mm-hmm. 
we usually only think about what it's going to cost us to say yes. Hmm. So Boaz takes it, gets the girl, yeah. gets like the lineage, <laughs> gets it all. But it, what I love about the book of Ruth is you do see this systematic. It's back to her walking behind the harvesters. It's Boaz going to the closer relative. Yeah. You've got this lawlessness in the book of Judges and these people that are very law-filled. That's right. And yes. the story mm-hmm. of Ruth, you know, like when nobody else is trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. Boaz is bending over backwards to do the right thing. That's right. You know, Ruth is bending over backwards yeah. to learn the Israelite way mm-hmm. and, and to like make her way in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just utterly convinced it's, it's it's her in those fields is why the Jews put Ruth after Proverbs 31. I love this. Yeah. yeah. I just believe it with all my heart. Listen to this. The final verses that we will read will be from Galatians 6. This is verses 9 and 10. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. That's that uh, reward comes after. That's right. The other side of obedience. Yep. Yeah. And all of these little going deeper passages this week are mm. just there are there are no skippers That's telling right. you that they are so good this i am so sad to see that too. one hour mark I clip know, over here on the timer shoot i know it's so good christy <laughs> you are such a wealth of information but more than that oh. your love and affection for the Bible and the people, the stories. And the living just, God. Yeah, the living the God. Lord, it just comes through, mm-hmm. and it makes me want to read again mm-hmm. and dig deeper, mm-hmm. and that's such a joy. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you both for having me. I mean, I just keep wanting to ask questions. Like, I want to be like, what does it mean to lay at his feet? Like, where we get next week, get excited. There is more stuff mm-hmm, that is going to mm-hmm. go down. It's going to be great. Man, Christy, thank you so much. Thank you. I am so excited about next week. We have a new guest, Susie Silk Rojas, coming to join us next week. I cannot wait to talk about all the things on the back half of the book. So many more questions. So many more questions. (laughs) It's going to be wonderful. Again, so much thank you for coming and joining us. And until next week, Christy, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. (laughs) 